listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Katie Cosgrove experienced the death of someone close to her every year between the ages of 15 and 21. The first, when she was just 15, was her father, who died of brain encephalitis. For the next five years, Katie did what so many teens do, and if we're honest, lots of adults too, she didn't talk about her grief. She worried that it would make other people uncomfortable, and that they might judge her for continuing to grieve for her father. Not talking about her grief also meant not talking about her father, which in a sense was another loss on top of his death. Then, in college, she started studying death traditions around the world, and realized that she wanted to learn different ways she could actually grieve. That was the academic inspiration. And then she had a personal experience that made it more real. An experience with a friend who said these magical words. You know, you can talk about him. And so Katie started to do just that. And talking about her dad soon led Katie on a path of discovering a whole new way of relating to death and grief. Now, Katie is the author of a new children's book, I'll See You in Your Dreams Tonight, which invites children to find ways to make new memories with their person who died. The world has mostly caught up to the idea that the relationship and the love don't die when a person does, but it's still pretty new to think that there's ways to create new memories and experiences with that person. That's what Katie does, by continuing to burn bagels on Father's Day and hoping for a hole-in-one on the golf course. Katie, thank you for coming on Grief Out Loud today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, you've experienced so much death and loss in your life, uh, especially between the ages of 15 and 21. And of those, I'm wondering which of which of those losses would you like to talk about today? So probably the most prominent I would like to talk about is my dad. He passed away when I was 15 from encephalitis of the brain, and we were very close. He was such a kind-hearted soul and I just loved him so much and it was a really hard death for me because it was my first big one and it was also, I was 15, I was young and I was just on this brink of semi-adulthood where you're starting to understand bigger things, you're thinking about your future, I was thinking about college at the time and it was all interrupted by this giant trauma just dropped on me and it was really difficult because I was I couldn't relate to any of my peers because a lot of people my age didn't have those same experiences. So it really alienated me, but I would love to talk about him because that that death really affected me over the last decade. And you were 15 when he died, and you mentioned like that's such a big formative transitional time in life, 15, 16, 17. And from my experience of working with teens who have had someone die, there's the internal experience of grief, and then there's the external presentation of grief. And I'm curious what you remember about whether those were in alignment for you or if those were vastly opposite. 
At first, they were in alignment. I really needed a lot of physical touch. I remember calling my sisters the day I found out and saying, you know, my dad died. My sisters had a different dad. And I said, you know, my dad died. Can you come over? And I just wanted them next to me. I wanted to be able to touch them and know that, you know, I still had people around me and that nobody was going anywhere. And that, that, directly related to what was going on in my mind, that fear of abandonment and things like that. But after some time, they grew apart. So I, my internally, I found myself longing for my dad more and more, but externally, I diminished him from my life. He just, you know, he, I stopped talking about him. I stopped bringing him up in conversation. And I even started avoiding conversations about him. Like if I knew that somebody was going to ask me, oh, what do your parents do for a living? I would just avoid that at all costs. I'd be like, okay, great. Have a good nice day. Nice talking to you. And uh, it was really difficult because internally I wanted, I just wanted more of him. And I didn't no, I thought that was normal. I thought it was normal to stop talking about your loved ones after they died. So as that like longing for your dad and that really intense missing of him grew, maybe not stronger, but like continued at maybe the same intensity, your expression of remembering him or thinking about or talking about him or even acknowledging that he had died diminished. Exactly. And I was I just didn't want to make people uncomfortable. I was scared of their reaction. And I learned this by getting reactions. You know, the one time I said, Oh, well, my dad's dead. And that's that's a very harsh statement when you say that. Oh, my dad's dead. Instead of he passed away or my dad moved on or he transitioned. And I said that and it it shocked somebody. And they had a really hard time with hearing that. And it didn't bother me, but it bothered them. And I realized, oh, that's not what you say. So I learned all of these things through kind of experiencing them in society and experiencing our culture with grief. I figured out that you don't talk about it or you don't talk about your loved ones. And maybe that was just my personal experience. It was my personal experience, but maybe not everyone has that experience. But I think that in our culture, we do stifle grief a lot. I'm wondering when you were 15 and your dad died, I'm, you know, I'm guessing you had a sense of like what you lost, but then there can often be this like deeper recognition of what is in what that loss entails over time. And curious what your sense of that was of like as 15, like I've, my dad is dead. This is what this means, but what you have also lost over time of him not being here. Yeah, I lost First of all, I lost a lot of my identity, and that's something that it took me a really long time to grieve. I mean, I lost being a piano player. I lost my golf partner. I lost my cheerleader. I lost part of my support system. So the things, and like I'm still a daughter to my mom, but I don't feel like a whole daughter, if that makes any sense. And so I really had to grieve those different identities that I had and every new stage of my life, even every holiday, I go through a new batch of grief because I it's another holiday that I don't have him. Or if I get married one day, that's going to be a wedding that he's not there for. And I'm sure I'll, I'll grieve that too. So it's it's hard because all of these new experiences in life come with, they're almost bittersweet because they come with a, a tangent of, well, dad's not here to see this, or I, I can't call him and tell him about 
this podcast episode that I'm on or, you know, my article that's coming out or the book or that kind of stuff. And it, that's really difficult. And it, it weighs on me sometimes. That even the most celebratory experiences come with this shadow of, but dad's not here to see it or listen to it or watch it or talk with me about it. Exactly. You've written about how you felt like you didn't really start to engage with your grief for like five years until you were in your early 20s. And, you know, as we've talked even just so far, like you were engaging with your grief internally. But what did that mean for you to start to engage with it in a different way? It was really uncomfortable at the beginning. I had a hard time starting to talk about it. But once I included him in conversations and chose my people wisely, that's definitely a piece of information I want to give is that I chose the people I talked to very particularly. I, I knew that I could trust them with that information about my dad and I could trust them to not react in a, in a negative way. And once I started doing that, I felt more free. I felt like I wasn't closing off a part of myself or that I wasn't holding something to myself. I was releasing it back into the world and giving that love that he gave me back to other people. And that was a kind of a beautiful exchange. And I wouldn't trade it for the world now. It's made me who I am. How did you get to that point of being like, I got to find some people that I can start talking yeah. about him with? It, it was a couple different things. The one thing I've always been interested in is death traditions. And so I read From Here to Attorney by Caitlin Doty, and that changed my whole perspective on death and grief. And I was in early in college when I read that, and it started me on a path of becoming a dual religious studies major. So I started really learning more about all different kinds of rituals and grief exercises and practices during grieving and it opened my eyes to the fact that there was more than one way to grieve. And that became my obsession for a couple years. I really wanted to know how I could grieve differently. And then the other thing that happened was I was in my dorm room and I remember in college and I remember rifling through clothes and my best friend at the time and still today was in there with me. I was really comfortable with her. So I was just, I don't know, rambling on about something. And I casually mentioned my dad. He, I just brought him up in conversation. And I immediately got flustered. I stopped. I turned to her and I said, oh, I'm sorry. And I tried to continue on the conversation and she interrupted me. And she said, you know, you can talk about him. And that blew my mind. I really paused for a second and I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't. I didn't talk about him in that moment. But I don't even know if she knows today how much that meant to me because that was her giving me permission to talk about my grief out loud. No pun intended, <laughs> but I could invite my dad into the conversation now and somebody gave me permission to do that. And that was a really wonderful gift. So between those few things, I really opened up this idea of talking about him. And then I realized after doing it a couple of times that it was amazing that it was this wonderful feeling and I could keep him alive and that I had forgotten so many things about him until I started talking about them again. And it really opened my eyes up to this new world of grief. Is there a particular memory of your dad that comes to mind in this moment that you were happy to have access to again in that way? 
Yeah, I I remember him. We went to the ball drop on New Year's Eve, and I was really I was pretty little. I would say that maybe I was seven or eight, and he was elderly. He was in his seventies at the time, and. I couldn't see the ball drop and we were in this big crowd of people. We were in downtown Buffalo, New York, and it was freezing cold. It was snow everywhere. And I'm sure he was miserable <laughs> because he had bad knees and a bad back. And it was midnight, you know, on a, I don't even know what day. And I couldn't see. And I remember being sad about that, but I didn't want to tell him because he was so excited to bring me there. And I just so I just sat there and I was looking at the ground and he goes, You can't see, can you? And I said, No. And he was too old to pick me up himself. He couldn't hold me for very long. So he found we walked around for about 10 minutes and he found the tallest person he could find and asked him to put me on his shoulders. And he did. He was like, Of course I'll do that. And he put me on his shoulders. And my dad stood right next to me. He didn't let that guy out of his eyesight. And uh I got to watch the ball drop like that. And I felt like I was on top of the world and that that's just how my dad was. He wanted me to always feel like I was on top of the world. And that's a story that I didn't tell for a very long time and that I've actually forgotten about until it. I had a dream about it one night. Were there other ways that you started to engage with grief beyond talking about your dad or bringing him into everyday conversation or letting yourself have access to some of those memories? Were there nonverbal ways? Yeah, I would say that photographing things was photographing people, especially, was one of those ways that I channeled my grief. I was so scared of forgetting about him when I first, when he first passed away. That was a big fear of mine. I started photographing everyone and everything immediately. And I became a professional photographer. I've been one for 12 years now. And it was no surprise that that's how I channeled my grief and that I wanted people to have these memories of their loved ones because I didn't have that of my dad. I didn't, I still don't feel like I have enough pictures of him and I definitely don't have enough videos of him. So now it's caused me to be overboard about, you know, recording things or taking pictures. That's how I would say I non-verbally channeled my grief and how I celebrated him in a different way that and on the golf course. <laughs> so it seemed like really the importance of documenting people, their image, their voice, their movements through video and, and photography. Yeah, I just want to remember and I want to help other people remember. I don't want anyone to feel like they don't have enough memories of their loved one. My mom actually put her dog down yesterday. Um, he was old and he, getting slow and he went peacefully and everything was fine but so today my my way of showing her love and giving her support was sending her a bunch of pictures of them together and she didn't know that I'd taken them <laughs> and so that's like that makes me so happy to be able to do that and to be able to provide that service for somebody are there other ways that you feel like grief from your dad's death and also from the other losses you've experienced have shaped who you are in the world or the things that you value? Absolutely. I I see life as death-centered, and I'll explain that a little bit. And it's not morbid or scary or sad. It's actually a really wonderful thing. I 
just have always considered the end of something, you know, like what would it be like if this person passed away or what would it be like if I lost this person? And a lot of it is fear of abandonment because of my losing my dad, but I have shaped that and morphed that into something beautiful to say like, okay, what am I grateful for? I have to tell them that I'm grateful for this because what if I lost them tomorrow? Also, contemplating death all the time and facing your own mortality allows you to really ponder about your legacy and figure out what is my what is the legacy I want to leave and what am I doing right now? And once you look at your current priorities versus what you value and what the steps you need to take to leave your legacy, if they don't align, then just making small incremental changes to kind of get that into alignment will help a lot. And that's something that I've been focusing on in the recent years. And now I'm more joyful than I've ever been in my whole life. I feel like I have a passion and that I'm fulfilled in life and I'm happy and content. And so living a death-centered life has really opened me up to new possibilities and being curious about a lot of different things. And now I'm transitioning into becoming a death doula. So that's led me into a new path of a career almost. And another part of your sort of business life is your business, which is called Grief is Good. And can you talk a little bit about that? Like what you mean by grief is good and like what what's your business all about? Absolutely. So grief is good is based on this idea that if we accept the beautiful side of grief, we can really welcome these nuggets of inspiration into our life. I truly, truly believe that grief is good for us because it A, doesn't allow us to forget about the person. I was so scared, like I said, of forgetting about my dad, but I didn't realize for a long time that my grief never will let me forget him. And that's so wonderful. And B, it opens up tough conversations, which we need to have with each other and with ourselves about our own death, about a conscious death, this idea of what do I want at the end of my life and how does that look like and who do I want around me and what what smells are there, how am I dressed and what are the aftercare procedures that I want to have done. And I mean, the Bhutanese people say that to be happy, you have to contemplate death five times a day. So I think that grief is good because it forces us to do that and that it it really opens up this raw, wonderful world of love because it all comes from love. So what are some of the things that you offer? Right now, it's very, very new. So I'm, I have a book and a journal that's coming out soon. And then I will offer my death doula services through Grief is Good. And currently, it's mostly just guidance and support for grieving people, especially people with compounded grief. And they have been grieving for a long time. Or if there's, you know, stuck feelings there, anger, resentment, regret, guilt, and working through those things with a little bit. But I'm not a licensed counselor. And I tell people that all the time, but they still want to talk to me. So (laughs) I guess I just have a knack for it. You're someone showing up with a deep compassion for people who are grieving, and your own personal lived experience in that. Yeah, I try. I try. And having a lot of empathy and curiosity has come in handy with that. Absolutely. You mentioned the book that you have coming out. 
and it's a children's book, right? I'll see you in your dreams tonight. And what I appreciate about, I didn't get a chance to read your book yet, but I got to read at least a little bit about the concept and the idea that you can make new memories with the person who died, um, which seems to stand in contrast with what so many of us pick up along the way, which is like, when someone dies, that's the end of the relationship. We just get to hold on to like how the relationship was, but not how it is moving forward. So how, how did you come to that kind of idea? And how has that idea of being able to make new memories with people who have died played out in your own life? I came up with the idea because I had a grief dream about my dad. I was in playing a concert in the dream and I looked out in the audience and I saw my dad standing behind everyone in the audience and I dropped my instrument and I sprinted off stage and I ran right into his arms until he was wrapped I was wrapped around him and he was wrapped around me and when I woke up from the dream I couldn't believe it and I was like oh my and this was the first dream I had had about him and I cried immediately I mean it's hard not to <laughs> when you wake up from that and after a while i realized it's not sad it's beautiful and that that's a new memory i have with him and i can achieve these new memories through my dreams and also through storytelling i i find you know people's reactions or their comments on my stories to be like a new added thing to it um or if i'm telling stories to somebody that knew him, if they respond with a story, like my uncle loves to tell me stories about my dad. And I appreciate that so much. It's like finding a hundred dollar bill in your pocket. You're just, it's just a new shiny object of like, oh, I found something new about him. That's incredible. And it really opens up this idea of making new memories with them and loving them in the present tense. You know, you don't you didn't love them, you love them still. And the last thing that I that I do to make new memories with him is through my rituals. So, I always hated Father's Day, and I feel really guilty about that because I have a living grandfather. So, I always felt really bad for my mom because she had to put on this party knowing everyone would be miserable, <laughs> and I felt so bad for her. And same for my grandpa, but we we got through it we celebrated him and but we would cry and it would be hard eventually when i met my boyfriend his dad had also passed away we decided that we were going to celebrate it so now we have burnt bagels for my dad burnt everything bagels with cream cheese and then we have kiwis for his dad and because he said everything tastes like kiwi when they didn't like something and so we have this beautiful breakfast between the two of us and we play music and we dance in the kitchen and we just make it a new fun time and we do it in their honor. And to me, that's making new memories with my dad. And it's also connecting me with his dad who I've never met. And that's hard to explain, but it's a really wonderful feeling to feel like I have a relationship with him, with someone that I've never been able to meet or talk with before. And it makes me feel closer to my boyfriend and it's it's just a wonderful thing. So I highly recommend, you know, finding rituals that honor that person because that's brought a lot of love and beauty into my life. Something you mentioned echoes a lot of what I hear, particularly in our groups for teenagers and young adults around when their person dies and they think about their future of dating someone or meeting someone who's going to be a big part of their life, whether it's a good friend or a colleague or a coworker, and the sadness they feel that that person's never going to know 
third person who died. So it's interesting to hear about this ritual that you've created with your boyfriend that has helped you feel like there's at least a little bit of a relationship that you are having with his dad who died, who you never actually got to meet either. Yeah. And it feels like I'm almost tethered to him through it, you know, and that we have the ability to bond even if I if he's not here and I can't talk to him. And it helps watching videos of him and hearing stories about him and seeing pictures. And it, it'll never replace the real thing. I would wish I could have met him, but it certainly helps. I think it helps both me and him, me and my boyfriend, I mean. I I love knowing that my boyfriend's getting closer to my dad as well. And I think that it's so beautiful. It just makes me really happy. <laughs> it's my favorite day of the year now. And I have to ask about the bagels. You said burnt everything bagels with cream cheese. And oh, is yes. that because your dad liked his bagels burnt or because he always burnt the bagels? Um, Because he always burnt the bagels and he would swear it's probably written on his grave that I don't burn things. They're well done. You know, it's <laughs> he burnt the pork chops. He burnt prime rib. He burnt bagels. He burnt everything. And it was all I don't know how it was all so good. He could have a medium rare steak and the outside is completely burnt. But he managed to burn everything. But it was never it was never burned in his opinion. <laughs> So that's why we burn the bagels, bagels. <laughs> even though they're not good like that. <laughs> so you're having well-done bagels with cream cheese yes, on Father's Day. Exactly. <laughs> Is there a new memory that you're hoping to make with your dad? Mm, what a great question. I am hoping to get a hole in one one day. That's <laughs> that might be a not the right answer, but or not an answer that was expected. But I'm hoping that one day I get a whole. It happens in putt putt all the time, and I get these little wins, but it's never happened in a real game of golf. And once I get that hole in one, I know that he'll be there with me. I know he'll be jumping on the green, up and down, cheering for me. And that's that's a memory I look forward to making. And even if he's not there, if I don't have his, I have a lucky club that was his club with a tie-dye grip. And even if I don't have that club with me, I'm still going to feel him there. I'm still going to know that he's cheering on, cheering me on. If you go back to when you were 15, are there things that you wish people, adults or other, you know, kids your own age had said or done that would have felt more helpful or supportive after your dad died? Yeah, a lot of things, actually. I think that, I think I wish an adult would have told me that my grief will be around forever. One of the phrases that I didn't like to hear, and I didn't know it at the time why I didn't like it, but time heals all wounds. People would say to me all the time, over and over again. And it put this expectation in my head that there was an end point to grief that like, oh, you only grieve for a year and then you're done and then you're fine. <laughs> and that is certainly not the case. And as I've figured out, you know, 15 years later, still grieving, I wish that that phrase didn't exist in my life. And I also wish that somebody would have told me the opposite. And I love this image of 
it's it floats around Facebook every once in a while. It's a ball and it says this is the size of your grief and it doesn't get smaller, smaller and smaller. In fact, you grow around it and the ball in each picture is the same exact size, but the circle of your life gets bigger and bigger. And this idea of that our grief is always there. We just grow around it and we morph and it it changes and it presents itself differently. And I wish that I had been a little bit more prepared for that. And also, the one thing that I wish my friends had done is just provide more space for me. And they didn't they didn't know how to at the time. And I'm not mad at them and I don't blame them for that because I probably would have done the same thing. But I remember in I went back to school the first day I was in back to school. I was in second grade or second period math class and we had left class and this girl who I wasn't very close with we actually didn't like each other at some time we she started to walk next to me and very quietly she was like hey just so you know i have the notes for you if you want them or i have extra notes for you if you want them and i was like oh okay thanks and she just walked next to me the entire way she didn't say another thing she didn't ask me how i was doing she didn't she didn't even even touch me. She just walked next to me and she walked me all the way to my next class without saying, hey, I'm going to walk you to class. She held space for me and it invited me to talk if I wanted to. And I didn't want to, but I did appreciate somebody just being there for me. And I think if I had more of that support, that container, you know, that somebody set up a container and said, this is this is a safe space and you you can talk if you want to, I would have healed a lot differently and a little bit easier. I think there was a lot of wonderful people that said a lot of wonderful things to me too. And, you know, a lot of those were stories or people telling me that they saw my dad and me, you know, my best friend growing up. She texts me every single Father's Day. She texts me every Christmas. She texts me on his birthday and she texts me on the day he died. And, she always says the same thing. He'd be so proud of you. And that's something that means so much to me. I have chills right now talking about it because even though it's the same message every time, it hits me in a different way every time I read it. And that's something that I think was so encouraging because I'm now I expect her text. Like if she doesn't text me on Christmas, I know something's wrong. And I just really appreciate that, the how she showed up for me there and over the years. And she she grew into that. She learned how to do this. And yeah, I think that I think that it was really important for me to hear that. And I'm glad that there's somebody there to tell me it every year. So those gentle invitations of I've got the notes for you. I'm sort of a way of saying like I'm here without actually saying like, I heard your dad died, I'm here for you. But that more like gentle, maybe more teen centric way of making that invitation and then just that consistency of your best Mm -hmm. friend showing up each and every year um i'm curious about that idea of like you know your dad would be so proud of you and it sounds like for you that really resonates like that feels like the perfect thing to say and i know i've heard other teens who don't love that when it comes from someone Mm. who didn't really know the person who died or doesn't really know them that well because it's like how do you know when it sounds like the relationship you have with your best friend that that statement feels really spot on yeah and I could see how people would feel that way if the person didn't know the one that had passed and my I was lucky enough that my best friend did know my dad so she had that that 
relationship with him where she could see traits in him that she now sees in me. But it does resonate with me when people say that because I was so young when my dad died that I I wasn't who I am now, if that makes sense. I wasn't an adult. I didn't have accomplishments yet. I didn't, or big accomplishments, I should say. And so being recognized that I, that he would be proud of me now is a really wonderful thing to hear. And I guess I never really thought about the advert, the opposite of that, of saying, well, you don't know him because that's very true. That's a very valid point. (laughs) And I don't, I don't blame them for thinking that because that's very true. (laughs) So Katie, with the children's book that you wrote coming out, and you said there's also a journal and it seems like your website's kind of just getting going. Where would you direct people to connect with you and your work and your book? Yeah, so the best place to connect with me is griefisgood.com. It has all of my information there and you can follow more about the book. It's uh, it's actually out on Amazon right now. So people can go ahead and take a look at that. And the journal will be coming out sometime in 2023, maybe early 2024. And that will be a kid's grief dream journal so that they could record their dreams and kind of make these new memories and remember them because that's something that I wish I had had or thought of 15 years ago. And so that would be the best place to follow me. And I have a grief is good newsletter that goes out once a month with tips and insight on grief and death. Well, Katie, thank you for uh, reaching out to me about your work and your experience and for taking time to be on the show today and sharing so much about your dad and kind of what you've learned uh, and discovered in this process of grieving for him. I'm grateful for your time today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And listeners out there, I know I say it each and every single time, but thank you for being part of our show and part of our community for making Grief Out Loud mean something in the world. If you want to reach out to me, you can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. That's also our website, d-o-u-g-y dot where you can find all of our free downloadable resources, information about our local programs, and each and every episode of Grief Out Loud. And as always, I'm excited to share that our podcast is sponsored in part by the Chester Steffen Endowment Fund. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time.